You are listening to Press Church Podcasts. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon that I have prepared for you all today is Come Back Home. Come Back Home. There's something special about when I go back home. I'm originally from Louisiana. I'm born and raised in Louisiana. Grew up there my whole life, lived there until I was 22, moved to Texas, moved back to Louisiana, moved back to Texas, moved here. But there's something special whenever I cross that border of Louisiana. Mainly, it's I fall in the potholes that are on the interstate, all the traffic, all the... But when I see that sign that says, Welcome to Louisiana, there's a special feeling that I get. There's a, there's a sigh of relief. I can smell the spices in the air. I can, I, can, I can hear the Mardi Gras beads jingling. And, and I always turn on the song, Calling Baton Rouge. As soon as we hit that Louisiana border, we, we turn that song on. It's a big song that they play at LSU Stadium, but... We listen to that song as we drive into Louisiana because there's just something unique about when I'm home. When I pull into our hometown of Lake Charles and and I pull into my parents' house and I walk into my parents' house and usually after a long drive, mom's got something cooking. She's got a gumbo going. She's got some jambalaya going, some red beans and rice going. She's got some crawfish etouffee going. She's got some cakes, some cookies ready for us that I can sit down at their table and feel at home, feel safe, feel protected. I can go to my grandmother's house and go sit at her table, and, and she's the one that makes the, the homemade chocolate pie. And, and I remember the, uh, the, the beef and vegetable stew that she makes and, and the lima beans and, and rice that she would make for us. Or I could go to my, my, grand, my other grandmother's house and I would, I, would, I would skip class when I was in college and I would drive over to her house and she would cook me breakfast. She'd make me a bunch of fried eggs and, and toast and, and we would sit there and, and talk. There was just something special about going home, sitting with friends and family and feeling comfortable and feeling safe and feeling protected. Luckily for me, I, I've got several homes in several states, I, I love when I get back into Dallas and, and get to McKinney, and my favorite place to be is sitting at the table of my pastor's house. That there's just something safe, there's something protected, there's something that's joyful there when it's me and my wife and my pastor and his wife and, and some of the, the close friends and family from the, the church that we were a part of in McKinney, and we're sitting around that table Usually we're eating chicken wings and, uh, and eating fries, and, and we're just sitting there and we're laughing and talking and cracking jokes that it's a safe place to be, that these are places that in my heart I, I can't wait to get back there, but there's also something even special here now at my house. It's the first home that me and my wife have ever bought, that we've put our hands on, that we've built, that we've painted, that we've ripped up, that we've done all these things to, that even when I travel to my family's house in Louisiana, even when I travel to Dallas or anywhere else, there's something about pulling into that driveway and seeing my dog come run into me and try and get underneath my truck and to go into the house and 
and, and, and be able to sit at our table and, and eat and, and fellowship when people are there and enjoy that. There's something special about coming back home. And I want to encourage each and every one of us today as we look at this main scripture to come back home. Because when you come back home to the place that we're going to discuss today, there's going to be safety. There's going to be provision. There's going to be health and recovery to coming back home. The main scripture that I want to focus on today is Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Family, I want to encourage you today to come back home. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. That word strong in the Hebrew is oz, O-Z, and it says strength in various applications. Force, security, majesty, or praise. Boldness, loud, might, power, strength, or strong. That the name of the Lord is a force. The name of the Lord is security. The name of the Lord is majesty. The name of the Lord is praise. The definition of strong. And it's interesting that the name, the definition of the word tower, migdal, M-I-G-D-A-L, has three different definitions. That word tower means what we would think, a tower, a watchtower, or a castle. The second definition is a lofty platform or pulpit. And the third definition is a flower bed in a garden. And I thought how beautiful each one of those definitions are. That the name of the Lord is a strong tower, what we think of, a castle. In my mind, you think of this, this tall building Barely has windows and made of concrete, made of stone, impenetrable. This strong tower. But it also means a lofty platform or pulpit. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And in my mind, I see God at this pulpit standing over my life, speaking over me preaching over me, that there's so many different things that are constantly going into my ears that are telling me, things that aren't necessarily true. If I'm being honest, a lot of those things that I hear are internal. You're not good enough. If you could only be a better father. I can't believe you did this. If you could only be a better husband. How could you stand up there and preach if you could only be a better preacher? If you could only manage your money better? If you could only do this? If you could only do that? that I listen to the news, that I listen to social media, that I listen to my critics, that I listen to my enemies, that I listen to my family, that are constantly preaching and speaking into me. But it says here that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, a pulpit, that there's somebody else that's preaching and speaking over you. 
And then lastly, a flower bed in a garden. The name of the Lord is a strong flower bed in a garden. Let's be honest, no matter how macho of a man you are, when you walk into a place that has beautiful flowers, butterflies and birds, fountains, waterfalls, lights, trees, there's this calming effect. There's not going to be war, there's not going to be issues, there's not going to be when you walk into a garden, when you can lay down on a bed of flowers and rest and relax. That God is this strong fortress that can't be defeated, but at the same time, he's this sweet, peaceful bed of flowers that we can lay on when we need. That the name of the Lord is a strong tower. To help you today, I want to provide you a couple of names of the Lord. What name do you need from him? One of the first names is El Shaddai, all-sufficient one, the Lord God Almighty. That can be found in Genesis 17, verse 1. There's another name, Jehovah Ra, R-A-A-H, the Lord my shepherd. We know that in Psalms 23. Jesus speaks of it in John chapter 10, verse 11. But what's awesome is in Hebrews chapter 13, it calls Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep. Not only is he just the shepherd, he's the greatest one. That yes, us as pastors are called shepherds to take care of and lead the flock. But I am so grateful and I am so thankful that there is a great shepherd who is overseeing this flock and overseeing the, sh- the entire church. The great shepherd. Another name of the Lord, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals Exodus 15, verse 26. Is that the name of the Lord that you need to run to today? Number four, Jehovah Jireh. We know this one. The Lord will provide. I don't know when, I don't know how, but God's the one who made this name. He will provide in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. This is the one you might need today, Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. That's in Judges 6.24. He's also known as the Prince of Peace in Isaiah verses 9 through 6. Number 6, we have a very simple name found in Romans 8 called Abba Father. Maybe the, the name of the Lord that you need to be your strong tower today is the simple name of Father. That people had all these ideas and these names that God had called himself throughout the years and throughout generations and throughout history. And his son shows up, Jesus, and he starts calling God by a name that no man had ever called him before. He called him Father. And then something happened when we were allowed in, the Gentiles were allowed in. Paul starts preaching and he says, not only do you call him Father, you call him Abba Father. I was a Gentile who was pushed away, who was told I wasn't a part of the old covenant, who wasn't allowed in, but through his son, I was brought in, not as a stepson, 
you not as a stepdaughter, but as a full-blooded son and daughter of the Most High God. So I have the same ability to call God my Father just like Jesus, my big brother, was calling him Father. Maybe you need your Abba Father to be your strong tower. A couple more. Number seven, the great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. The great high priest. Number eight, Emmanuel, God with us. That's in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and Matthew chapter 1. That Jesus, the Son of God, could have been called any name, and the angel comes and declares that his name will be Emmanuel. And that name means God with us. But family gets even better because not only is God with us, we talked about this already and we'll talk about it until my breath goes, that there was a mystery that was revealed that it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Not only is he with us, standing with us right next to me, he's also inside of me everywhere that I go. Number nine, a mediator. He is known as the mediator. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. If you read in the book of Job, as he goes through that encounter, he makes this statement. The chapter fails me in my mind right now. I know it's in Job, but he says, Is there anyone who can speak on my behalf to God? Because he didn't have anyone. And then he has a face-to-face with God. And God says, were you there when I created the oceans? Were you there when I created the galaxies and the universe and these animals? Were you there? And Job says, okay, I need somebody to talk between me and him. And now we have one, the mediator. Jesus, with us, in us says he's in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. He's lived like us. He's been tempted and tested like us, it says, but he didn't sin. And I can pray, and I can talk, and Jesus can lean over to the Father and says, this is what he means. I know it doesn't make sense what he's saying, but, but this is what he means. Let's pray with him. Let's answer it. Let's help it. Because he's mediating. Jesus says, my blood is sufficient, God. Don't harm them. Bless them. Because my blood is on them. Those are your children. He can mediate between us. And and one of the last names. There's so many more names out there that you can find. I just grabbed a handful and... Ten was a good number. The author of our eternal salvation. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9. The scripture calls Jesus the author of our eternal salvation. That I know that he is writing my book. He is writing my story. He is the author. He knows. He has the plans for my life. He has the calling on my life. He knows what I need. He knows when I need it. He knows how I need it. He is writing my story. He's the author of the eternal salvation. 
Psalms chapter 20, verses 7 through 9. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Verse 8, they have bowed down and fallen. Those that trust in chariots and all that, they've bowed down and fallen. But look at this family. This is us. But we have risen and we will stand upright. Look at verse 9. Save us, Lord. May the king answer us when we call. Think about that. Back in the day, When they had kings and they were in their kingdoms, the king did not have to do anything. The king didn't have to answer to anyone. If you walked in there and demanded the king, you better do this and you better fix this. You better fix my farm property and you better send soldiers to protect my stuff. The king could have said off with his head and had every right to do that. But look at David as he gets to stand up there and say, may the king answer us when he calls. The boldness that we have to speak and talk with God, because through His Son, Jesus, our mediator, we have a right. We have a position and we have authority that we get to use and declare on this earth by speaking the name of God. May the King answer us when we call. When I was in college, like y'all know, I worked in a prison for a couple years as a corrections officer, and in the prison, we... They, they were the, we had three different pods, minimum security with the trustees, medium and maximum with all the violent offenders. And it was a big circle. And in the circle was what we called the tower. And all around the circle were these different areas uh, that were full of glass and bars uh, that had the cells. And so when you worked in the tower, you had control of the entire pod. And there was one person who had to stay in that tower forever. Nobody could ever leave that tower because when you stayed in that tower, you had control of the entire thing. I could open any prison door. I could unlock certain doors to let um, other correction officers in. I had the computer in there so I could research and find anything that I needed to know about those inmates or any type of thing that was going on. There was windows, wide open windows everywhere, so I could look on each and every pod. There was a two-story two levels. There was four cells at the bottom, four cells at the top. I had access uh, with microphones to where I could listen into those cells, and the, the inmates could talk back to me. I had a phone in that tower where I could pick up that phone and I could call the lieutenant who was on duty and I could tell him if I needed help, if I needed assistance, I could call at any time, he would answer and he would send people running. I could call anybody else, any other correction officer in that jail and say, I need help at this area right now. Open the doors, unlock the doors and let people in. The only way to get into that tower was a two-door system. When you'd walk into the area, there would be a door that I was able to unlock. The door had to shut behind you before I could unlock that second door. I could look down and see who was trying to get into that door. Let them in. The door would would lock. I could hear it, and I would unlock the second door. And then they would walk up these stairs to where I was at. This tower was not able to be accessed by any of the inmates. This was a secure tower. The name of the Lord is 
a strong tower. Just like in the tower in the prison cells that I was working in, you have the ability and the access. You have been brought from faith to faith and from glory to glory. You have been seated on high, it says, in the heavenly places. You are above everybody else. You can see everything around you when you're in that strong tower. You can see the enemy trying to attack. He can't come in because the doors are locked. God has already shut it down and says the enemy can't come in. He has sent the Lord only to come to destroy the works of the devil. Just like in that tower, you have the ability to pick up that phone through prayer and call out to your God. Call out to the lieutenant who's on duty and say, God, I need you to show up today. I'm going through something in my life, and I need you to manifest. I need you to send your angels. I need to send you, you to send your church body. I need you to send a pastor, a missionary. I need you to send somebody to help me and save me and restore me because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's time to come home. It's time to run back to that tower. It's time to get back to safety. It's time to quit running everywhere else and looking for the answers everywhere else when we have the answers in this book that says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Whatever you need, he has a name for you to answer it so it can hold you in that moment. Whether you need security or whether you need to just lie down in peace in a garden and rest and recover. Or if you need that name to speak and preach over you. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but Jehovah Rapha is here today. He's speaking into my life today. I don't know how it's going to change, but I've got a mediator and he's here today with me. It's going to change. My situation is going to change because the author of my eternal salvation would not let me end like this. If he is the alpha and he's the omega, then therefore he's right there in the middle with me. He's going to bring me through this. And he's going to preach over me today. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it. And when they run to it, they are safe. They are safe. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that's you and me, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt today that this scripture is talking directly to you. That as soon as you threw your hands up and you bowed your knee and you bowed your head and you said, I believe in Jesus. I believe in that gospel message. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, verse 1 says, I present the gospel to you. I didn't receive it from anybody else. I received it from Jesus. Therefore, I deliver it to you that Christ died for your sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried in a tomb and he rose again the third day. That is the gospel message. And if you believe on that, you are exchanged, you are conveyed, it says in Colossians, out of the kingdom of darkness and conveyed into the kingdom of light. You are no longer a sinner in the kingdom of darkness. You are now righteous in the kingdom of God. He who knew no sin became sin, so the great exchange could happen. He takes your sin, and he gives you his righteousness. Oh, thank you, God. And this scripture says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they're safe. If you are saved, then you're righteous. 
And if you're righteous, you can run to the name of the Lord and you can receive all the safety that you need, all the salvation that you need today. That word save, safe in Hebrew, sagab, S-A-G-A-B, to be inaccessibly lofty, to be high, to be safely protected, to be exalted, to be inaccessibly lofty, and to be safely protected. There's just a, a beautiful representation of this in Mark chapter 5. You can read it throughout the week. And you see three different people with three different situations in their life. And they all understood this principle. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. Beginning of Mark chapter 5 is a demon-possessed man. And it says that Jesus and his disciples get off the boat, and immediately it says this man runs toward them. He's naked. He's been hiding in the tombs. He's full of the devil. It says in there that the chains and the ropes and the things that they, the, the community has tried to hold him, tried to control him, tried to help him, everything that they've tried to do, they can't get help. And the only place that this man can find peace, this is the only place that this man thinks that he can find joy, the only thing that, that he thinks he can get some type of help is running to a graveyard, running to an area full of death. And where he lives there is where there's some semblance of sanity for him. But then he saw the man, Emmanuel. He saw the Messiah. He saw Jesus, and he recognized that there was something different. And it says that no chain could hold him. No ropes could hold him. No person could hold him or stop him whenever he got into a crazy fit of rage. But this man took off running. He had a full assurance knowing that this is the man that's going to save me. This is the man. He couldn't, the devils couldn't control him and hold him back for him to just run as quick as he could and fall down and say, you got to do something. You got to help me. He says, well, what's going on? And then the demons start talking. Well, we're legion. We're many. Part of me thinks like, calm down, Demons. They're just prideful. They're just running their mouth. Is it really many? Could be. Could have been a bunch. Or it could have just been one trying to be big and bad. Who cares? Because he got kicked out. And it says when the people in the community showed up, it says he was clothed, he was sitting, and he was in his right mind. The righteous run to it and they are safe. If you keep reading the story, Jesus is now surrounded by a great crowd of people. You think? The one crazy person who's been living in the graveyard for who knows how many years is now all of a sudden sane, clothed, and in his right mind. Now all the community's like, we're going to see what this guy's about. There's a woman with an issue of blood. We talked about this, I believe, last week where she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. She's weak. She's tired. She has no money. She has no health. But she makes it a priority. I'm going to get through this crowd. I'm going to get to this city. I'm going to get to this place. The righteous run to it. And she says, if I just touch the hem of his garment, if I just get close to home, I know that I can be made well. And we see that she's instantly made well. 
At the same time, the reason that Jesus is walking is because Jairus shows up. He's well known throughout the community. And it says that he runs to Jesus and falls down and says, you have to help me because my daughter is dying, please. He says, well, let's go. Show me where. And they start walking, and then he gets stopped by the woman with the issue of blood. They have this encounter. Somebody comes and whispers in Jairus' ear, don't trouble him anymore. She's dead. Jesus says, no, 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 wait, hold on. I didn't say it was over. I'm still going. If I'm still going somewhere, that means there's still a story and there's still a miracle to be had. So don't believe what the circumstance is saying. Don't believe what the world is saying. If I said I'm going to heal something, I'm coming to heal something. Jesus shows up to his house and we have a miracle. Three different people with three different needs, but receiving exactly what they needed because the righteous ran to him and they are safe. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. I'm almost done. This is the Apostle Paul writing to his son in the faith, the last book that Paul is writing, one of the last words that Paul is writing and talking about as he is in jail, waiting to go to trial, trying to figure out what his life is going to look at, be like at the end. And this is what he writes to his son in the faith. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. Wait a second. Paul, you've been shipwrecked. You told us that. Paul, you've been beaten. Just like you got whipped, just like Jesus did multiple times. You've been stoned, stoned so much you were dead. Then you got back up and walked back into the city. You've been hungry. You've been all of these things. People have attacked you. The Jews have attacked you. The Gentiles have attacked you. The Romans have attacked you. Everyone has attacked you. And he's standing there writing this, making a declaration still by faith. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. May I have the faith and the stance that Paul has. That even after all of these things that have come against him, he says, I know how to be content. I know that the Lord's going to deliver me from the next evil thing that's coming against me. He's delivered me before. He's brought me back from the dead. He saved me before. He knocked me off the donkey. He, I was the, the Pharisee of Pharisees. But look what he's called me to do now. He's going to, if he's delivered me once, he'll deliver me again. The righteous run to it, and they are safe. For the last two months, me and David have had the joy, the pleasure, and the frustration of being baseball coaches to five- and six-year-olds, both of our sons included. And um, it's been quite a journey. We almost won some games, mainly the last one. But we saw vast improvement in a lot of them from the very beginning of practice to the last game on Friday night. But I learned something, and maybe you didn't know this, in baseball But when the batter is up there at home plate and he hits the ball, it's his job to run to first base. And he's supposed to run to first base as fast as he can because that's where the safety is, is when he gets to first base. Now, you would think if you've played baseball in any capacity that that is a simple concept. Let me let you know this right now. That is not a simple concept, especially to five- and six-year-olds because... At the beginning of the season, some of the kids would hit the ball, and then they would run to third base. Well, they're not safe at third base. 
Some of them would actually run to the pitcher's mound toward me. Sorry, buddy. The only way that you can be safe is when you hit the ball, you run to first. It doesn't matter. You could touch third base. You could touch second base. You could run in the outfield. You could run wherever you want. But the only place that you're safe is when you hit first base. The thing that we had to encourage the kids to do, because some of them, they would hit the ball, and they would get so excited that they hit the ball, they would forget that they had to run to first base. They'd be excited. We were all excited. Excited for them to run to first base. And their running would be this. Come on, buddy. Come on. You can do it. Trying to teach the kids that as soon as something happened, as soon as there was a hit against them, that their first idea, their first concept, their first response was, I need to get to safety as fast as I can. I've got to run as fast as I can to first base. The righteous run to the strong tower and they are safe. For some of you, you've been running to the wrong base. You've gotten hit. The world has hit you over and over and over again. And you're trying to run. There's, there's chaos happening. And you're trying to run to third base. Is this safety? You're going to this place and that place and you're doing this and you're doing that and you're looking for safety and health and recovery in your body and in your mind and in your life and you're not finding it. And the reason it is is because you're not understanding the simple concept of baseball. you got to run to first base and you'll be safe. You've got to run to the strong tower as quick as you can. You've got to go home. you got to go home. you got to quit running all over the place and you just got to run home to the strong tower, to that beautiful garden, to that pulpit of God preaching over you and loving on you and restoring you. The righteous run to it and they are safe. I've got three scriptures left and I'm finishing with this. To help you to remember to come home. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12. Zechariah 9, verse says, Return to the stronghold You prisoners of hope, even today, right now, family, in this moment, at this time frame, even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. The Lord is speaking over your life today. Return to the stronghold. Go back home. Return to that strong tower. Run to it as fast as you can. Find the name that you need of the Lord today and hold fast to it. And become a prisoner of hope today. Some of you are prisoners of certain things. Prisoners of addiction. You've been prisoners of fear. You've been prisoners of insecurity. You've been prisoner of some lies that your family told you. That your spouses have told you. Your kids have told you. Your co-workers have told you. You've become prisoners to some things. But today, family, if you're going to become a prisoner to anything, I implore you and I beg you, become a prisoner of hope. Walk back into that stronghold. Walk back into that tower. Walk back into that jail cell. And you shut that door of hope and say, I'm going to die in this cell believing that my God is good. My God wants to do good things. And he's going to do good things to me. That God is going to be the God that I declare in this book to provide for me and take care of me. 
Return to the stronghold today. Come back home and lock yourself in that prison cell of hope. I'm going to believe until I die that God's going to provide for me. I'm going to believe until I die that he's going to save me. He's going to restore me. I know what the world is going. I know there's a chaos out there. I know there's a hurricane and a storm and all that. But I'm locked in to this tower called hope. And I'm not leaving it anymore. I'm not going to go lock myself in fear and worry anymore. I'm not going to go lock myself in insecurity and whatever the devil's telling me and the world's telling me. I'm getting out of those cells. I'm getting free from that. But I'm going to become a prisoner of hope today, even today. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, in which enters the presence behind the veil. This hope that we have as an anchor to my soul. When the chaos of the world is blowing, I just take the hope of God and I just anchor it down. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay on top of the chief cornerstone called Jesus and I'm not moving. I'm building my house and my life and my belief on Jesus and his word and what he said. I'm going to believe that as the ultimate truth, no matter what. In the last scripture, and I'm done, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, family. Look at this. For he who is promised is faithful. It says in the scriptures that even when I'm faithless, he's faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Family, come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. Find in that book the name of the Lord that you need today. You are the righteousness of God, so therefore you are entitled, able, and allowed to run to his strong tower and be safe, to not deal with that chaos anymore, to not deal with that sin anymore, to not deal with that addiction anymore. You don't have to worry or deal with it over and over and over anymore. No more as of today, you can make the decision, I'm going to run to the name of the Lord and he will save me. He will lift me up. He will exalt me. He will protect me. He will help me. And I will anchor that truth. I will anchor that name into my life. And I will not stray away from it ever again. In Jesus' name, come back home today. Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent your word and you healed us from all destruction. Father, I thank you that this word that was spoken today will be planted inside each and every one of our spirits, and it will bear fruit, Father. It will bear fruit, some 30, some 60, even 100-fold, that we will not just lose this word when we walk out this building, but we will chew on it, we will let it grow, we will water it, we will stand on it, on this simple scripture, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they are safe. And we will talk about it in our spirits. We will dwell on it and meditate it in our mind on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday. And whatever happens on Thursday or Friday, we will go back to this scripture and we'll say, no, 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 I am a prisoner of hope. No, 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 I have anchored this hope into my soul, and I believe that he is faithful, so therefore I will continue to confess my hope that God will show up in my situation. Father, reveal your name to us. You know the situations of these people. As they study your word, 
As they go about their life, Father, drop your name that they need to hold on to this week, this season, this year. Drop it into their hearts, into their minds. Even now, Holy Spirit, place your name that they need to stand on and anchor their hope to today in their mind and in their spirit. Put that scripture there. Put that reference there. Holy Spirit, you move. You lead them and guide them into all truth to help them to where we look back and one day, one month, one year, and say, look what the Lord has done. I once was lost. I was running all over the place, but I ran straight to that tower, and I found safety, and my life forever changed because of this word, Father. I thank you for your people. I thank you that they are healed and whole. I thank you that they have the mind of Christ. I thank you that everything they put their hands to prospers. I thank you, Father, that they are the salt and light of the earth, that, Father, we are blessed, and we also get the opportunity to be a blessing to people. So, Father, I thank you for speaking to us, but also helping us go out and share your testimony with other people and encourage them to be a part of this body of Christ, to encourage them to experience you on their own, to get into your word, Father. So bring people across our path to help us minister to them throughout this week. Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause your face to shine upon them, and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next week. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.